That you were born and grew up in shouldn't decide how you welcome to a special um, episode of Wigless and Crying. We had another episode prepared, but of course, um, as everyone knows, uh, there was a mass shooting, the worst mass shooting in US history um, last Sunday. And being that it was at a gay club, uh, we are, as a community, are very affected by it. And um, we feel like we should talk a lot about it for this episode. Uh, we will still release the other one, but um, we thought this one was more important. So before we start, um, I wrote something today about pride, and I wanted to share it with you guys. On Sunday afternoon, I arrived in New York's West Village with one of my best friends. Just a few hours before, we had been dancing at our friend's wedding in Long Island, and now, here we were, standing in front of the Stonewall Inn, my first time ever visiting this soon-to-be monument for gay rights. There was a crowd standing in front of the bar, paying their respects to the victims of Orlando, but inside... The bar was serving drinks and playing pop music as usual. I wrestled with the idea of celebrating our pride and honoring the victims with a gin and tonic and Britney Spears when outside there were people crying and miles and miles away there were parents sitting next to the hospital beds of their children. I learned something that day about being gay, about being proud, about being a minority, about being an American. You can be more than one thing at a time. You can be sad and celebratory. That is what pride is about. A lot of people, including myself, have wondered why there's any need for gay bars anymore, or if at some point every bar will be diverse and an equal bar, whatever you want to call it. Standing inside of Stonewall, I realized that we needed gay bars because this has always been a safe haven for so many hundreds and thousands of people. This was a place where people could be free and happy, even when their best friends were dying of AIDS left and right, even when their people were being murdered by hate. This was a place where you could make the family that you have always wanted but couldn't get it from your biology. For so many people, this was home. This was protection. I thought of myself as a child playing tag with my friends. There was always a tree there to be base, a place where you could not be tagged, where you could rest and catch your breath. This is what a gay bar is to us. For years after the riots in Stonewall, after someone in New Orleans doused a flight of stairs leading up to a gay bar with gasoline and lit lit it on fire, killing 32 people, including a couple whose remains were found holding each other. A few years after Matthew Shepard, in select, part, select parts of the world, we got comfortable with the idea of living a normal life amongst our straight friends and allies because things were actually going very well considering our past. 
We may have even been able to kiss our partners on the street without having to keep one eye open looking for a threat. But Orlando changed that. The hatred infiltrated our base. It cut our tree down, and now we feel like we have to keep running. So, this month, when your friends or family or acquaintances or co-workers get their once-in-a-year once chance to pick a street in a city where they can march, dance, sing, hold hands, kiss, be flamboyant, or cry and hold each other, remember that we are using our voices, our fashion, our hair, our bodies as a weapon. Not a weapon that can kill 49 people and ruin the lives of hundreds of others, but a weapon that can actually heal. This fight is not over, and whether you are gay or straight or trans or bi or black or white or Asian or Christian or Muslim, you need to not only deal with us, you need to join us. We really are all in this together. So please, learn about our history. Fight with us. Stand up for us when you hear or see something ignorant. Be a kid again and play with us. And yes, you can cry and celebrate with us too. We can beat this hatred, but we need your help. It's your turn. Happy Pride. I wrote that after a week of almost, I mean, I've been posting a lot on Facebook, but um, there's still so much that I was feeling that I could not say. And I think a lot of us feel that way too. Um, we don't know how to put into words all the different emotions that come up from seeing um, our brothers and sisters uh, murdered on TV by hatred. So, sorry for <laughs> taking up all that time, but <sighs> um, how are you guys feeling? I think a lot of people feel the same way you feel. Um there is a, you know, I the the phrase that jumped into my head uh, throughout the week, and maybe through this whole election cycle, which everybody's been so feverish about, is raging into the void. It feels like you have a lot of emotion and not a lot of places to put it, and you throw it onto social media because you feel like that's a gathering space mm -hmm. of some kind. And it is in a certain way. But it also has a way of not really um, letting you feel the thing you're actually trying to get to. You know, I went to the vigil on a Monday in downtown L.A., and I had been feeling very, very alone. Um, it was a very strange day, uh, obviously, and... Going there, I it was important to me, and they were reading the names of the victims off, and a tear sort of ran down my cheek, and this, this girl, who I didn't know, came up to me and just hugged me, and I burst into tears, just like started sobbing, and I realized I was like, oh, this is what I needed. I needed community, and I needed connection. Mm -hmm. I needed to be with people who understood, because I think for a lot of straight people, while this is a tragedy... These mass shootings are unfortunately just a part of American life. Mm -hmm. And so it happens and we go, oh, another shooting. Fuck, that's awful. Yeah. And they think people are upset, but they don't really understand what it means to be a gay person and have a person come into your gay bar, your neighborhood gay bar, and shoot it up. Yeah. 
And I think being around other gay people who understood that, understood what a violation that was, how deep a transgression that was for us, um, was important. It, it gave me a bit of relief. I felt a little bit of relief the next day. I could just sort of breathe a little bit easier. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. There are people who get it. Yeah. Um, and Facebook tends to go toward anger yeah. uh, in a way that sometimes that's useful, but a lot of times it's not. You just wind up in a rage cycle. Yeah. Um, and rage, I think, is an important emotion in these moments. But, some, but you know, you need to counterbalance it. And I think the sadness and the grieving uh, is important, too. So. Yeah. And, and there's also so many stories of um, heroic stories and, and, and stories of love and, you know, seeing the pictures from from all over the world of people gathering together for for us. is It's really moving. And it's surprising because, you know, part of the reason why I wrote that was because I, I see that all around the world. I see images of that all around the world, but I don't a lot of. To be honest, a lot of people within my own life, straight people, maybe even gay people, it seems as if nothing has even happened. And that that's that's really shocking to me because, you know, I try not to, I'm not trying to compare disasters or anything, but I noticed that a lot of people were supporting Paris and, and changing their profile pictures and really showing their support. And then... This happened in like, though there has been a lot of love, that there's still something bothering me that I can't, I couldn't really put into words until I wrote that. Um, have you guys been feeling that way, like the from the reactions of people? Um, in terms of feeling like people don't get it? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but it's also... It's hard. I mean, I think when you're a member of a, of a of an oppressed group, when you're a targeted group, these events hit you in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like Paris, uh, the narrative is so simple. It's like us versus them. The terrorists are bad. We are good. And so it's easy to rally around an event like that and be like, those guys are fucking assholes. Fuck them. Yeah. I think it's more complicated when it's like, here was this very weirdly internally homophobic guy probably gay who hated himself who became radicalized on the internet with isis and had all kinds of obsessive machismo bullshit going on beat his wife and like wanted to carry out this crazy thing Mm -hmm. um that's not an easy narrative Mm -hmm. for people and when the narrative is complicated I think it divides people. Um, But for gay people, the narrative is simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone came into our sanctuary and attacked us. Right. So for us, it's easy to rally. I think for straight people, it's it's hard to understand if you're a straight person. They don't have that. You know what I mean? Like straight people don't have an equivalent to what we have. Because if you're a straight person, the world is your sanctuary. You're fine. Yeah. Um, We spend all day out in a straight world. And the gay bar is the only place where we get to actually be with people who understand what it's like to be us and feel safe and be ourselves. Yeah. So if you're a straight person, you don't, I mean, I shouldn't say that because people of color have their own communities like that too. And, but 
but it's specific to gay people because when you're a gay person, you grow up feeling other and your family doesn't know you feel other from your family. Right. So when you go to a gay bar for the first time, you discover yeah. your people. I've never thought about it that way. You know what I mean? And then we go, oh, we can build. A f that's why gay people build their families out yeah. in the world, because that's how we discover each other. Yeah. You know, if you're a person of color, you grow up in a fam. Usually, you grow up in a family of color. So you share an experience right. and you go out into the world together as a unit. Yeah. And you always have that. Yeah. Gay people, we have to build that on our own. And when someone violates the place in which we do that, it's scary. Yeah. Because that's how we figured out how to be safe in the world was there. Mm -hmm. That's how we learned how to love and be ourselves and, and then build the armor to go back out into the world. Right. So, Josh, how are you feeling? Um, I don't have a whole lot of articulate things to say. Um, I don't know. I haven't sorted through everything that's gone on enough to even be smart right now. <laughs> like I, I am, I haven't even plumb the depths of my anger yet because I'm just yeah. so I'm still so shell-shocked because I like most other people in America have a job and have things that I have to do every day and so <clears throat> I had to get up on Monday and somehow get out of bed and I kind of hate myself for being able to do it so well like mm -hmm. I, I really am angry with myself for being able to go to work and while well, nobody talked about what went down and I, I didn't talk about it and we just were like, oh, so which episode are we breaking today? And it just, be, I was, and I was so good at being able to just switch over to that and just do that. And I've been doing that for the last several days. And I, it's only at night when I go home and I, there's nothing around me and there's just the silence that I confront like another day of me pretending like it's cool because like that's the world that I'm operating in and and I understand that that's not my fault but I don't I don't want to be let off the hook about that like right. I don't I don't want I don't want anybody to come along and make me feel better about it like I just want to feel really bad for an extended period of time while I sort through the fucking world I live in yeah well, and, you know, that as you say that, I had a similar experience on Monday. I went into work, and I do have a gay coworker, and we sort of, we talked about it to each other very briefly, both of us sort of mutually acknowledging, like, boy, was that awful, and then dove into work and didn't talk about it. And as you were talking, Josh, it reminded me, this is what it was like to be when you realized you were gay in a straight world. Mm -hmm. was that you had this thing that was that no one else understood right that you carried around with you this otherness and what an event like this does uh for better and worse is it reminds us all of our otherness yeah and yeah. when we carry that out into the world it makes us uncomfortable because we a lot of us spend our young years shameful and upset and why couldn't we just get a girlfriend or boyfriend and why couldn't we just you know and 
here we are again, like regressed to teenagers. Yeah. It's frustrating that one stranger's bullet can make us all regress into teenagers again. And I think it's uh, well, what's not lost on me is the idea that like this was Latin night. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like we're dealing with the majority of the victims as were the majority of the people who were just in that club wrestled with a double minority status throughout their entire lives. And everybody who's sitting around this table speaking into these microphones is living that. Yeah. Is living a double minority status as like a person of color and a gay person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I confront that, my head almost explodes yeah. because there's so much going on there. And I I just don't know where to begin to wrap my brain around the, the layers of, of uh, put it this way, Adrian, you might be able to speak to this better than I can, but I know as somebody who is black and gay like the the machismo, I mean, our yeah. people don't call it that, but it's the same idea. Yeah. The, the the protection of feelings. So put right. it this way. I have learned in my life that like it's really about, when you go through life, it's about protecting white feelings. Like the story of race in America is about protecting white feelings. Don't make don't ever let the white person be confronted with their privilege right what what they've inherited like the the way that the racial structures of the last 300 years have benefited them don't ever let them don't ever let them have to deal with that or feel bad about it or feel bad about it exactly and the same thing is true for straight people don't ever let straight people have to finally confront (laughs) that they take things for granted that we have had to fight and die for Right. right so i felt that on both those levels my entire life and so watching watching people of color who finally found their sanctuary have to be carried out on stretchers and rush to the hospital in police pickup trucks was almost too much for me to bear yeah yeah, yeah and not only that they were these it these were really young people. Oh God! Really, I, I mean, some of them were underage. Yeah, they were eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it was a eighteen and up night, but it, there were a lot that were there that were very yep. young, and and I, I just can't imagine as a parent, like, you know, uh, also the complications that come from. I'm, I'm sure a lot of these people who survived. A lot of these people that survived were going there to, to to be amongst their people, but probably weren't even out of the closet. And so you've got this other layer yeah. of like parents who are finding out that my kid was, yeah. yep. you know, this is the way the, you come out of the closet. The double yep. violence. I mean, of it's that. yep, it's you know, and it it it's funny, Josh, because you were talking about that machismo that a lot of people of color wrestle with, and. It strikes me that it's that same machismo that caused this. Correct. It's that same, like, I hate that I'm gay. Mm -hmm. I need to buy a giant gun 
uh, because this giant gun affirms my masculinity and my independence from the world. The crazy thing was when I went through that, I only thought about killing myself. I didn't right. think about right. I, that's all I considered was yeah. like maybe I'll just take myself out because right. I can't deal with this shit no more. I never thought, oh, let me take fifty people with me. Right. right. I mean, you know, the thing that we there's been all kinds of statistics about shootings flying around the internet, and the one that struck me the most clearly was of the 998 mass shootings, and let's just deal with that number. Yeah, The 998 mass shootings in U.S. history, uh, I think one of, one or, or, or like 4% of them were committed by people of color, and all of them were committed by men. White men. Yeah. So, so like the vast majority were white men. Yeah. And well, beyond even white men, there's a male masculinity identity problem yeah. in this country that is intimately tied up. The majority and the, of those are the people who country, think let me pick up a gun to yeah. solve my grievances. And well, those are the people protecting the use of these crazy guns too. Well, it's I it, it just strikes me that the majority of shootings in this country are done by men. And so there is while there are a lot of other issues that complicate that, there is a masculine identity crisis yeah. that I think you know that informs a, that informs sexism. It informs yes. homophobia. Yes, mm-hmm. it informs all this shit. Right. And gay people, gay men especially, uh, trans trans people too. I think really confront this idea of yeah. You can't talk about this without talking about what trans people have gone through in right. this country and trans in the last and, several years, and, especially and guiding us through transcending the silliness yeah. of gender, right? You know, yeah. and, and and the arbitrariness of gender binary. But like it 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 just you sort of go like, wow, the gay bar is the place where we're supposed to be able to flout all these ideas. Correct. You know, we go there to watch drag queens who can make fun of this idea, and yet someone can but walk in there and violate that, that and that, take us right that back. That was my biggest lesson from this was that it's inescapable. Yeah. Like there is no magical mm-hmm. place you can walk into where like suddenly you just slough off yeah, the right. like ba- the like gender and sexuality and like all the other shit that has been piled on you your yeah. whole life that you've been that's you've been inculcated in this yeah bullshit like there's no place you can go where no. you're safe from that and the the, no. the worst things that i think so many people think that that things are so much better they appear better obviously there are things laws changing that are really amazing for us that have been beneficial but there is like this this hidden hatred still amongst ourselves and and from our from our even our, maybe our allies. Like f- today I heard a story about how everyone was trying to come together and there's a huge line of people trying to donate blood to to the victims. But there's a law in Florida that In, in America? Al- in America. In the FDA? Yeah. yeah. That, where, where gay men Correct. who are having sex with other men. You have to be sexually inactive over. for a year. This is left over from like the 80s. Yeah. This law is still in place where they cannot donate blood and there are people in line crying saying yeah. I just want to help. Correct. I my, just want to My help. blood type for the for listener, my blood type is B positive, which is extremely ironic that my blood type is B positive because I'm the least positive person <laughs> on the planet. So I'm going around saying B positive. Anyway, 
I I had jokes, but I withheld them because of the special topic. I had a podcast. thank you. You're welcome. I had a I have a donor card from the American Red Cross. Like that's how often they used to call me to be like, oh my god, you have B positive blood. We need that. We're doing a drive in Southern California. Please come down. And eventually, I had to go. You know what, lady on the phone, I have to stop lying because I've been in here lying to you. You yeah. check the blood any fucking way. Yeah. Yeah, but I've been in here lying to you. When 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 all, the needle is already halfway in my arm, and you and the lady comes in the room and starts asking you all the questions, her list of questions, and she gets the question: Have you been sexually active with a man even once since 1977? And I'm looking at her. I'm like, bitch, do you think I was even alive in 1977? Mm-hmm. If you do, then I need to go see somebody because mm-hmm. I need to get snatched for the gods <laughs> because I, I have not been like. Baby Josh liked that dick, though. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Black don't crack, though. Hunting. So if I'm in here and you thinking I was sexually active in 77, Girl. I need to get some work done. Okay? Honey, you need to get anyway, some work done. Uh, anyway, yeah, I really do. <laughs> Dr. Zizmore, <laughs> you listening, girl? Dark. Yeah, well. Also, look. if Dr. Zizmore is our listener, dark. Look, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't I don't give WGA a lot of dude money. So do money. a lot of do money. I, he needs to go. Yeah, I gotta go. Anyway, anyway, my po- <laughs> my point, if I'm allowed to make it, you are is that is that I I don't even know where to begin in terms of stopping. Like, who do we even talk to to get that rule reversed? Because it's so insane and yeah. crazy. Yeah, and does does not even respect the truth of what HIV infections are nowadays. Yeah. Like I I just don't I can't with it. So I I did not donate blood. Which is frustrating and sad. But it's what it is. I mean it's the it's this crazy world we live in right now. Every these... fifty one days, by the way, they would call me. Every fifty one days, they'd be like, "Okay, you last gave blood fifty one days ago. Okay, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. Like you've replenished your like platelets and all that right, shit. Right. Like come back in." And I would do it. I would totally do it and lie every single time, and well, it kills a little part of me every time. Well, because it makes us seem like our identity is a lie, which right. is what we <laughs> right, what, which is which is what we were fighting against the exactly. whole time. Yeah, it's yeah. what we've always been fighting against, and. What a gay bar is supposed to like affirm that we're not a lie, mm-hmm. that we are true, and that we are real, and that we yeah. are, are that we are valid. Yeah, and you know, somebody takes that from us, and that's it's a it's the saddest thing in the world. And, I get it. Um, I think we should talk about what has who has been taken from us. <clears throat> and I have a list of the names here, and a little description about them uh, from people that have. Uh, said a few words, so I'm gonna try to do this uh, can without. We, can we help you? Yeah, let's share it. Okay. So um, first, there's Brenda Lee Marquez McCool. She was 49 years old. Brenda was a two-time cancer survivor and real estate agent. She was a mother of 11, and she was at Pulse with one of her sons for a night of dancing. Oscar A. Arancina Montero. He was 26. His partners, uh, partners Simon and Oscar were at Pulse together. I'm so heartbroken that you guys 
and so many other friends lost their lives in such a senseless act. I pray for strength and courage for us all, a friend wrote on Facebook. John Carlos Mendez Perez, age 35. John Carlos and Luis Daniel Wilson Leon were both loving partners. Both men were killed in the shooting. The couple met at the perfume shop where John Carlos worked. Luis S. Vielma, age 22. Luis was a student at Seminole State College and worked as an operator for Universal Studios' Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride. Author J.K. Rowling tweeted that she can't stop crying over the loss of Luis. Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, he was 25. Geraldo, known as Drake Ortiz to his closest friends, was originally from Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic and studied law at the Universidad del Este Carolina. Antonio Devon Brown, age 29. Antonio was a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve. He had previously been a member of the Army Officers Training Corps at Florida A&M University. Akira Monet Murray, age 18. Akira was a recent graduate from West Catholic Preparatory High School in Philadelphia, where she was a top student and top athlete on the women's basketball team. She had recently signed to play at uh, Mercyhurst College in Pennsylvania. Frankie Hernandez Escalante, who's 27. Frankie was a loving big brother who taught his little sisters how to walk in heels <laughs> and to do their hair and makeup. Frankie has a tattoo on his upper right arm reading Love Has No Gender and moved to Orlando from Louisiana. Paul Terrell Henry, age 41. Paul was planning to return to college. He was a Chicago native and loved dancing and playing pool, he had two children, including a daughter who just graduated from high school. Christopher Andrew Lenonen, age 32. Drew was with his partner, Juan Ramon Guerrero, at the time of the shooting. Both men died. Drew had a bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Central Florida, and founded a gay-straight alliance in his high school. Hillary Rodriguez Sullivan, age 24. Hillary was a wife, a sister, and a mother of two sons, Ariel and Sergio. Her sister described her as the most loving and caring person you could ever meet, saying her smile lit up the room and her laughter brought a smile to your heart. Jonathan Antonio Camuy Vega, age 24. Jonathan worked for a Spanish TV network as a producer of a popular children's talent competition. He was a member of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists in Puerto Rico before moving to Florida. Edward Sotomayor Jr., age 34. 
Edward handled brand management for Alan Chuck Travel, an agency that plans vacations for the LGBTQ community. On hearing, on hearing news of Edward's death, his boss Al Ferguson spent time with Edward's family at the hospital. Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, age 37. Luis and Giancarlo Mendez Perez were loving partners. Both men were killed in the shooting. Luis was a Puerto Rico native, and his friends describe him as a protector, confidant, and hero. Luis Omar Ocasio Capo, age 20. Omar loved to dance and dreamed of becoming a performer. He grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and worked at a local Target and Starbucks. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, age 36. Originally from Puerto Rico, Eric worked at a party city and sunglass hut. He had been married for about a year, and on Sunday morning, his husband frantically called friends and family when he couldn't connect with Eric. K.J. Morris, age 37. K.J. was a bouncer at Pulse, known for her excellent dancing and amazing smile that could light up a room. She previously lived in Massachusetts. Eddie Jamaldroy Justice, age 30. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Eddie was an accountant and loved to make other people smile. He was able to text his mother before he died Sunday night, saying that he loved her and to call the police. Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez. Gilberto studied healthcare management at Ana G. Mendez University and worked as a sales associate at Speedway. He was originally from Manati, Puerto Rico. Jason Benjamin Yosefat, age 19. Jason was an ambitious young man with many passions, computers, athletics, and photography. Jason's uncle described him as very excited about his journey. Miguel Angel Honorato, age 30. A resident of Apopka, Florida, Miguel worked for Fajita Mix Mexican Catering. On Facebook, his brother wrote, quote, I can't face the fact that my blood brother is gone. May your soul rest in peace, brother. I love you so much. Javier Jorge Reyes. Javier of Orlando worked as a supervisor at Gucci. He was originally from Guayama, Puerto Rico, and studied at the Universidad del Sagrado Corazón. Said one Facebook friend, your energy and love of life, of all things beautiful, was infectious. You were one of a kind. <clears throat> Juan Ramon Guerrero, age 22. According to reports, Juan was at the club with his boyfriend, Christopher Andrew Leonenen, at the time of the shooting. Both men died. The couple had hoped to marry. Their families are planning a joint funeral. Simon Adrian or Simon Adrian Carrillo Fernandez, age 31. Simon was a manager at McDonald's who was well-loved. He was known for bringing in cakes to celebrate the birthdays of each and every employee. Simon and his partner, Oscar Aracena Montero, 
were killed just after returning from vacation at Niagara Falls. Mercedes Marisol Flores, age 26. Mercedes was at Pulse with her friend Amanda Alviar when the shooting occurred. She was a student at a Valencia Community College and worked at the local Target. Dionica Deidre Drayton, age 32. Dionica, known as Didi, was working at Pulse when the massacre occurred, according to family members. Senseless, her aunt wrote on Facebook. R.I.P. Didi. You know this auntie will miss you. Anthony Luis Laureano Disla, age 25. Anthony was a graduate of the University of the Sacred Heart in Santurce, Puerto Rico, where he studied education. He was a well-known drag artist in Orlando, performing as Alanis Laurel. Corey James Connell, age 21. Corey was well-loved. His teachers described him as their all-time favorite student. His brother took to Facebook to share his grief. The world lost an amazing soul today. God just got the best of angels. Daryl Roman Burt II, age 29. Daryl was a financial aid officer at Kaiser University and a passionate volunteer. The president of Jacksonville JCs, which Daryl was a member of, described him as always interested in a positive impact on people's lives in the community. Gerald Arthur Wright, age 31. Gerald was an employee at Walt Disney World and was well-loved by both of his families, his biological one and his Disney family. He was at Pulse to celebrate a friend's birthday. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, age 25. Leroy was a leasing agent at an Orlando apartment complex and a vibrant performer who loved Beyonce, Adele, and Jennifer Lopez. His friends described her friend described her grief. It just feels very quiet now. Tevin Eugene Crosby, age 25. Tevin, a Michigan native, was the ambitious owner of Total Entrepreneur's Concepts. He was visiting Orlando after traveling to watch his nieces and nephews graduate. John Carlos Nieves Rodriguez, age 27. John Carlos was a manager at a local McDonald's and was known for being incredibly dependable. His <clears throat> closest friends describe him as, quote, just a caring, loving guy, just like a big teddy bear. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, age 33. Rodolfo was a biologics assistant at the One Blood Donation Center, a donation center that has been working to supply blood to the survivors of the shooting. His friend described him as compassionate and said that he loved his career. Angel Luis Candelario Padro. Angel moved to Orlando from Chicago and started a job at... <clears throat> as an orthopedic technician only four days before the shooting. He is from Guanaca, Puerto Rico, and described himself online as adventurous, easygoing, and responsible. Christopher Joseph Sanfeliz, age 24. 
Christopher worked at a local bank and was known for having a positive outlook on life. He was very close to his family and told family members earlier in the weekend that he planned to go to Pulse with friends. <sighs> Amanda Alviar, age 25. Amanda was a beloved sister and godmother. Before the <coughs> shooting, Amanda posted videos to Snapchat showing herself and friend Mercedes Marisol Flores dancing and enjoying themselves <coughs> at Pulse. Mercedes was another victim of the shooting. Juan Rivera Velaquez, age 37. Juan was the owner of the magazine Salon and Spa in Kissimmee, Florida, originally from Puerto Rico. Juan was at Pulse with his longtime partner, Luis Conde, for a friend's birthday celebration. Stanley Almodovar III, age 23. Originally from Massachusetts, Stanley worked as a pharmacy technician in Claremont, Florida. Friends have been taking to social media to comment on his bubbly, down-to-earth personality. You go, Stanley. <laughs> Juan Chavez Martinez, age 25. Juan, a Davenport resident, was known by his colleagues as a kind and loving person. His Facebook page lists his hometown as Huichapan, Mexico. Luis Daniel, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Luis Daniel Conde, age thirty-nine. Luis was from San Lorenzo, Puerto Rico. Was with his loving partner Juan P. Rivera Velasquez at Pulse. Both men were killed in the shooting. Conde was known by his loved ones as a fun-loving person with a great sense of humor. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, age 22. Peter worked at UPS and spent his high school years in New Jersey. On Facebook, his mother thanked everyone for reaching out and expressed, quote, deep and immense pain, end quote, at the loss of her son. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, age 21. A Cuban news source identified Alejandro and spoke with his family and friends who described him as always very positive. He was able to contact his family before he died. Joel Rayon Baniagua, age 32. Joel loved dancing and is remembered as humble and cheerful. He was also a religious man and attended church in Winter Garden. Enrique L. Rios, Jr., age 25. Enrique, from Brooklyn, New York, was vacationing in Orlando at the time of the attack. He had been working as a coordinator at True Care Home Healthcare and studied social work at St. Francis College. His mother said her family has been, quote, torn apart. Xavier Emanuel. Serrano de Rosado, age 35. Xavier was the father of a young son and worked as an entertainer at Splash Bar in Panama City Beach, Florida. He was a mentor to many of his co-workers who described him as quick with a smile. 
Shane Evan Tomlinson, age 33. Shane was a gifted singer who performed as the frontman for the band Frequency. He had a vibrant and charismatic stage presence and was at Pulse following a performance at a local club. Martin Benitez Torres, age 33. Martin is from San Juan, Puerto Rico, where he studied at the Ana G. Mendez University System. He was in Orlando visiting his family. Frankie Jimmy de Jesus Valesquez, age 50. Frankie was a visual merchandiser at Forever 21 and studied at Inter-American University in Puerto Rico. His family took to Facebook to share their love of Frankie, saying, What happened in Orlando affects all of us because it is an act of hate against the freedom to be who you are. And those are all the people that have passed away so far. And there are, I believe, three people, six people in critical condition and three in... uh, Guarded, I think it's called. I'm not really sure. Over 30 are still in the hospital, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and some are just being taken care of for all the wounds that they have. You know, a video just came out today. Um, a survivor uh, came out of the hospital, and he had been taking video while he was in the stall with a bunch of people um, because he wanted to send it to his girlfriend to show that he was doing okay. And I think also, I'm not really sure what exactly, but just in case they can use the videos to help identify who the person was, you know. Of course. But in this video, it's grainy and it's dark. You see, there are people who who are laying down and they said that they're all covered in blood and... They were locked in there, and there was this, luckily there was a sink because they were there for I think two or three hours. And there was a sink in the the, the uh, stall that they had, and they kept on trying to give water to the guy who was choking on his blood. And um, and uh, you can just see them passing around this cup for everyone, trying to take care of each other and trying to keep each other quiet in case the guy came back in. And more of these videos are going to keep coming out. You know, the one girl who who I mentioned, um, she has the Snapchat video. Amanda. Where, Amanda. Yeah, yeah. Where you see her dancing with that. her friend. They played it on the news so much. Yeah. And then she's dancing with her friend, and then you hear gunshots in the background, and she's not really sure what that is. And I can't imagine being at these clubs many times. I can't imagine what that would be like if my best friends, if my partner was there next to me. Or I was in another room. What would you do? What would you yeah. do in that situation? Especially if someone, you know, I would like to say that I would be a hero and jump on the guy or, or whatever. But he had what looked like something attached to him, like a vest that may have, could have been could have a been bomb. explosive, yeah. And so, and you don't know when you're in the heat of the moment, like, what's what's going to happen. And, so Yeah, like, at, as a Chicagoan... I've tried to explain to people, like one time when I was in high school, I might I had my bedroom window shot out by a bullet. I still have the bullet to this day, and I wasn't in my bedroom at the time. Thank God, because I probably would be dead by now. But it living in a it the south side of Chicago is a war zone. I can't even it's Baghdad at this point. 
And this was the first time that people I knew and had known for a long time were like, oh, my God, what if that was me? And it was I I was finally able to as dark as this tragedy is like I was finally able to connect with my like white gay friends who like might be from some place where bedroom windows don't get shut out every day where I was finally able to be like, right? This is fucked up, right? (laughs) Like, America's fucked up. And they were were like, what's wrong with this country? I was like, okay, yes. I've been saying that since fucking Ronald Reagan was president. Like, welcome. (laughs) Right. But like, finally, like, this is helping me bond. This is in a sick, twisted, fucked up way. Like, this is helping me bond with like, my privileged white gay friends. Yeah. But tragedy builds community. Right. I mean, we, yeah. we, I, I think that people, especially in America, communities of others are built on their suffering. We their shared suffering. We, yeah. That's we true. recognize what we, what we all, when we're at a gay bar, we all bond because, oh, you felt fucked up and shameful too when you were a kid me too yeah let's put on fucking women's clothes and get fucking crazy <laughs> right. and let like let's erase everything else has been dividing us yeah. and bond about that yeah 100 yeah. yeah. i mean yeah. that's how we build community that's what community community in like oh i'm gonna get i'm gonna sound like an asshole now but community in like western imperialist territories are built on the the shared experience of being colonialized of being suffer of but, suffering but you know what you know what? Colonized, I have, not I, colonialized. This may not work. be. That's fine. Thank you. Just give that to me. I'm just affirming you tonight. Thank you. I appreciate. <laughs> I love that. you. I need to be a free. I there need is, to be affirmed. Nothing's every now real without love. <laughs> but I you know what? You. Exactly. This girl. is what I want to say: is we, within our own community, have to start being better to each other. One hundred percent. We have to start being nicer. We can't. I was like, far be it from me to throw shade at anybody except you and you. <laughs> like, I'm going to still shade the fuck out of y'all. But you do it out of love. Right. But, yeah. like, far be it from me to, like, ever be out in the streets no more and just with a stranger and yeah. just be like, I'm just, I don't like you. But shade yeah. is... Shade. It's a survival mechanism. It, yes. We've spoken on we, this. That's how we make we've each other stronger as gay people. In season one, we spoke on this. Yeah, we all came in off the streets being called faggot and all that. Oh, baby. So now we make each other stronger yeah. by a, by pointing out all the shit that's wrong with Adrian's mm-hmm. face. Right. So when he go out into the world... Not just, not just her face. You're but, right. Her yeah. waist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, face yeah. And wa- there's a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of face Honey. waste. My Sharpie went dry. <laughs> Honey, She's drawing of, on her problem areas. A lot of face waste happening. Yeah. <laughs> face waste. But, uh, I love using that Sharpie to draw Honey. in my, my eyebrows, too, and my lip liner. I love oh, it. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's real A Mexican. lot of horchata. A lot of horchata. That's gonna, a lot of horchata. We're going to go ahead and drop you off in the valley <laughs> um, but yeah no that but that's what makes us stronger we do it to make each other stronger yeah. so that when we go out into the world we're armored against but you know what we but seriously we do need to start within our own community like it, it i'm happy i'm not happy this is a really weird thing to say I am glad that people are coming together and the gay community is coming together during right. this time. You're glad that that's but, happening. You're sad that it took this for yeah, that to happen. Like, come on, yeah. guys. Like, you know, just... I think it's because living in L.A., you, you constantly feel like people are segregated. Within the oh, your own gay community, you feel like you're seg- being segregated against within well, your community. you like, are. You, yeah, I was like, like you feel that because it's like, Oh, you're missing an app <laughs> so you can't come to my <laughs> pool party. Like, yeah. it's... 
It's yeah, really I silly. never get an invite to the ADAB pool party. I don't yeah. know why. Because you have ten. Is I that feel why? like it's being like, <gasps> oh right, ten abs. Oh my god, I love you guys, <laughs> honey. I love you guys. I love you, but we 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 do need to start. You know, I, I think I forgot what speech it was. I, maybe it was actually was it Obama or was it Hillary? One of them said something about um, we need to start treating each other. The we need to start living in a world that's like nine twelve. Oh, that's Donald Trump. <laughs> Right. Um, where everyone came together. There was no such thing as Republican or Democrat. We came together right. to help each other. And everyone was like, I don't give a fuck that I voted for Al Gore. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, but, and, and so you're seeing, you're, you are seeing hints of that, um, even within, with, with politicians. Like, there was just this I mean, 15 hour filibuster for yeah but they still don't want to fuck with giving us rights like they still don't want to do that which is astonishing yeah like they still don't care about that yeah. the house gop voted down a gay rights amendment yes that would have <laughs> they still don't care yeah so but, but let's talk a little bit about the gun situation because this is fucking insane it's <laughs> that's kind of all there is to I say mean, about it. that Chris you, Murphy had to talk for 15 hours to get the Senate to say okay yes we'll talk about it yeah like not even a vote is scheduled it's just like let's talk about it I read yeah. a Facebook status or it was a Twitter status that was a Twitter tweet oh my god oh grandpa uh, um, I read a tweet I read, that said I tried to tweet the TV channel I, I read a tweet that said I want to live in a world where it's harder to get a gun than it is to get Hamilton tickets. Oh, or that. Yeah. Or Sudafed. Or Sudafed. Or Sudafed. Two, two boxes of Sudafed. Yeah. You can't, buy, get. They you can't buy two you, boxes of They think you're Walter Sudafed. White. Yeah. 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 I can't buy two boxes of Sudafed, but I can buy an AK-15. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. In like 15 minutes. That is correct. I, I won't even tell you what this lady at TS, whatever the TSA equivalent of the Berlin airport is. I won't even tell you what she did when she saw that my toiletries wasn't all in one bag. One all in one little Ziploc bag. Yeah, she almost detained me, and yeah. I was like, "Girl, you can't bring shampoo on the plane." Girl, but really? You, yeah, I don't I mean, think you can bring an AK fifteen on a plane, though. No, but I'm I'm saying it like they do that when they're like, "Oh, we don't." This shampoo is three point seven ounces, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you can just be, "Oh, oh, I'm a, you just buy a gun. Hold on, in the time it takes me to get through airport security, I've oh, already I bought buy several oh, yeah, AR-15s. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Listen I can have a trunk full of right? AR-15s. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred forty-four people were identified as being on the terrorist watch list. Two hundred twenty-three of them were approved to <laughs> purchase guns. Okay. 21 were denied. But did y'all see what Edward Stoner, the inventor of the AR-15, his family came out. He died almost 20 years ago. But his family, he invented the AR-15 and also I think the M-16. Mm-hmm. And his family came out and released a statement uh, today or yesterday or recently that was like, uh, so our dad and granddad wanted everybody to know that he designed this these guns as a response to the AK-47 for military purposes right. only. Of course. Yeah. Like, if he knew what his invention was being used for right now, he would be horrified, just right. like we are all horrified. Our yeah, entire yeah. family is yeah. horrified. We had no idea that it would ever end up in the hands of civilians to be right. shooting each other. What I, are you doing? I know, I just wanted to play you guys this this video. This is what we have to deal with. Are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? Um, no, I think that's great. 
I, I, I think that helps society. You know, I think Orlando, Florida is a little safer tonight. Now that 50, you know, the tragedy is that more of them didn't die. I mean, the tragedy is I'm, 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 I'm kind of upset that he didn't finish the job. Because these people are predators. They are abusers. So this... Well, yes, Muslims do not have a monopoly on crazy. Yes, so that's that's what we're dealing with. This we're dealing with. Not only are we dealing with people, politicians that um, are getting money from the NRA to keep legislation open for for people to buy these guns, but we have a deal with with all this hatred from people like this, and that's just one crazy person who's being vocal about it. Imagine, I mean. There are thousands of people voting for Donald Trump. Millions. Millions. Yeah. Millions of people 13, voting for Donald Trump. 13 million, in fact. So far. This is the country that we're living in. We have to we have to change something. And where do we start? But you you know what gives me hope about a Donald Trump is that Mitt Romney got 60 million votes in the general in 2012 and he lost. Mm-hmm. So like Donald Trump somehow has to find 47 at least yeah. 47 million people in his country who ain't voted for him in the primaries who will somehow come to his cause. He won't do yeah, that. Spoiler yeah. alert. I hope so. Yeah. I hope that's I hope that's true. I hope that's true. I mean, this yeah. is the, what's interesting about where with the time we're living in right now is that this is the quintessential challenge of living in a plural pluralistic society there you go a free pluralistic society See, that's I can the eat word fucking pizza and drink wine yes honey like a pluralistic honey you better get into it yes honey um it's that there will always be views at the extreme always. when you have freedom people will do crazy shit you cannot stop them from freedom doing means crazy freedom shit. to be crazy yeah so we will always have to contend with these things the question is, do we let them, do you let the, ex- so we have a choice right now where we can say, fuck everyone, no one understands us, fuck the world, we can retreat to our corners and get really militant and angry, or we can approach the world with a lot of empathy and try, as ungodly and unjustly as it is, to convince people that we're right. Right. And that's going to take a lot of work and it's yeah. going to take a lot of patience. I've been doing a lot of it with the gun control debate lately, but it's going to take a lot of hand holding. Yeah. But it's the only solution because, you know, you have 30% of the electorate that's voting for Donald Trump right now. These are uh, angry, straight, white people, largely. There's always a fucking person of color in the one. Look at my African American. Look at look at my African American. Fucking Herman Cain sleepwalking back there somewhere. Talking about Shucky Ducky a hundred times. What was that about? But the question is, what do you do with those people? Because they're going to keep getting angrier. The more Hillary Clinton goes to the White House, they're going to get angrier. A Latino goes to the White House, they're going to get angrier. They're just going to keep getting angrier. And so what do we do about that? We can keep getting angry at them and they can keep shooting us randomly in these places or we figure something else out. 
And it's going to take like compromises. Like we're going to have to compromise our own value system and say, I shouldn't have to fucking hold hands with this idiot who like doesn't understand who I am and judges me and right. blah, blah, blah. But also I don't want to be shot. Yeah. yeah. And I want America to keep being a place I live. So we're going to have to fucking figure that shit out. I got Tennessee Williams quote. Good. Um, so thank you guys for, for <laughs> thank you guys for talking so much about this I know it wasn't very easy, and I'm I'm so thankful to the listener to listener for we listening, love you listener for listening to you this. hear me we love um, you please subscribe listener <laughs> oh just you, please no just please give us listener. five stars <laughs> um we uh, I do have even though we didn't talk about recommendations um I I do have recommendation and it's another Samantha B video she oh my talks god about, it was so good she talks just i think it's called samantha b enough right yeah we'll enough or something it. yeah we'll post it but um it's it's an incredible video of her like trying so hard to be kind of like we were tonight trying so hard to be true to her comedy but at the same time being fucking pissed trying off trying to be on tbs when she wanted to be on hbo <laughs> yeah right right With just and just fucking go in the whole thing is just bleeps. real just bleeps but it's a it's a great video. Do you guys have anything that you could think of like from from in this in this um in what in the top within the topic that we're talking about? I will recommend an organization called Every Town for Gun Safety. Yeah. That is that a national really advocacy organization that is working to uh f- just fight for common sense gun lo- legislation mm-hmm. and if you are like an angry person right now and you're like I want to fucking change something just go look them up, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, mm-hmm. and whatever. Just do whatever they tell you. Yeah, and I also <laughs> would add, smart. I would add to that. There's a GoFundMe to help the the victims and and the yeah. people that are still in the hospital. You know, I know this from experience. Funerals are f- really expensive for last minute when you're not planning for it, and these people, not all of them, had a lot of money, so um, they're left without anything. So a lot of these people were parents. Um, whose children are left behind. So donate money if you can to them. Um, and if you are in Florida, I don't think there's anyone listening to us in Florida. And try de- to donate blood if you can, and if you're allowed detox to. detox from season five of Drag Race, mm-hmm. she designed Orlando Pride shirts. Oh, and all the, 100% of the proceeds go to directly to that GoFundMe. Oh, that's great. And I already ordered a T-shirt and a tank top. What so size? We'll... <laughs> We not publicize. Oh, okay. I was just curious. Oh, okay. Oh, you you eating the do pizza, they, but you gonna ask me do about they make my it size? In your size? Oh my god, you bitch has been eating the pizza, <laughs> so you tell me. All right, well let's let's, anyway, let's move on to our Tennessee not, Williams you know quote. You, to you, end the episode. you literally spent a hundred <laughs> minutes in here lecturing us about how we need to be nice, <laughs> and then you are gonna talk about my weight, my problem areas. Anyway, I have two Tennessee Williams quotes. Okay, for listener. And, and they're probably... They're very brief, both of them. Here's the first one. I have found it easier to identify with the characters who verge upon hysteria, who are frightened of life, who are desperate to reach out to another person. But these seemingly fragile people are the strong people, really. Mm. And here's the other one, which really encapsulates my week. A high station in life is earned by the gallantry with which appalling experiences are survived with grace. 
Oh, it's beautiful. She wrote that after bottoming for five days on Fire Island. <laughs> for several undocumented really, Mexicans. But it really, we know how she liked the Mexicans. It we really know. resonates Mama today. Williams liked the Mexicans. Yep. Oh, Adrian, you could have got a part back then. <laughs> <laughs> you could have. <laughs> you just let her call you Poncho. Yeah. You could have got that part. Oh, yeah. Honey. <laughs> Honey. You'd have originated some roles. Flores. Flores para los muertos. Flowers for the dead. <laughs> I love you guys. It's for all my theater queen listening. I, I really, there's really only one person. You've got to be all things to us. You've got to be listener, fan, theater queen. It's a lot. Yeah, it's We're a lot. We're sorry. Sorry. Thank you everyone for listening. And please, really, if you haven't, if you haven't found the right words to... to Say something to someone. That's okay. It's okay, but try. But try but to figure that shit out. Is that yeah. what you're no, no, no. It's okay, but you're but, not but, doing but, a really no, good but job. Try to, no, I meant to you're say you're not a good ally. I meant to say try to understand where where we're coming from, and how we're feeling, and you know, comfort people if you can, or and literally just tell a person you love them. Yes. that that helped me in the past several days. Yeah, it's yeah. really important. So. um Thanks, everyone, and rest in peace to all of the victims. And um, you will never be forgotten. Never. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Waiting for the day when you can be you and I can be me. Waiting for hope to come around. Waiting for the day when hate is loveless and love is found. Waiting for a chance.